Cody Alexander, Match Quarter, welcome to another edition of the Art of X show. This time we're doing a weekend countdown, going to go through five things, uh, five games that I'm looking forward to, four things we learned from last week, got three predictions from you. Uh, going to talk about two articles that I wrote uh, from, from previous years, kind of dive into the archive and kind of discuss some of the ideas from that, and then go over one bias to make, to make you think as we get going on this weekend of football. Um, let's start out with the five games I'm looking forward to number one Kentucky versus Ole Miss this is going to be an 11 o'clock game on ESPN the reason why I'm looking forward to this is it's a basically a de facto playoff game within the SEC I both teams are in opposite divisions but the winner is going to be able to keep a track keep track of and in reaching distance with Georgia and Alabama in both of those let's be honest it's the SEC most of us are thinking right now well it's a Georgia Alabama world we're all just kind of living in it I do think Kentucky has a really good defense they have a quarterback that a lot of people think are going to be uh, an NFL um, first round draft pick so they have pieces within it my biggest issue uh, with Kentucky really is their running game they just don't have a very good running game in fact entering this week they're 112th on EPA and that's just not going to cut it now you have on the other side Ole Miss who runs a three high system now, I know that this is, for SEC fans, a little bit of foreign territory, though we have been seeing more and more of the three-high system enter the SEC as we're getting more and more of these kind of spread offenses hitting, hitting that, hitting that uh, conference. But if you are running at 112 EPA, which means that your running game is not very, very great, and you are now going to have to rely on Levis, your quarterback, yes, he may be an NFL guy, but now he's going to have to be the one that's carrying the load for the passing game. That's probably not going to work very well. Uh, so that's kind of the matchup I'm looking for. I'm, this is really coming down to Kentucky's offense versus Ole Miss's defense. Now, on the other side, you have a ball control offense. Now, I know Lane Kiffin, ball control. Wait, I thought he was one of those guys that's scoring a million points. They always have, you know, they just got, got done having an NFL quarterback. You know, where where is all this offense? They have offense. They just have a three-headed monster in the back in the backfield with with Judkins, who's a true freshman, Evans, who's a, a, a former five-star recruit, and then you also have Dart, their quarterback, who he is serviceable in the past, but he can kill you with the legs. All three of these guys can rush for 100 yards in a game, so you could see one of these games where hey. Ole Miss decides, let's control the ball. Let's keep it out of Kentucky's hands. Uh, and Kentucky is basically forced to throw the ball. That's what I'm looking forward to in this game. I like Ole Miss in this game. It is at home. Uh, so something to look forward to uh, this week as we get going. I have always said since the beginning of this year that I think NC State, this is their year to win the, the ACC. This is their first two, uh, true test. This is when you start some of these early games in these conferences. Uh, this is where you get these de facto playoff games. So just like Kentucky, we've got – and Ole Miss, we've got an NC State and a Clemson game that I really believe is another one of these de facto playoff games. So you have this at 630 uh, Central Time on ABC – Clemson's offense has steadily improved all year long. Defensively, they're always going to be a top 10 unit just on personnel. Uh, I know they lost Venables. You go through some growing pains with that. But 
a lot of those guys in true Clemson fashion are guys that have been there for a long time. They understand the defense. That's something that did not change. They are, are having issues with stopping the pass. They're coming in 92nd in, in pass EPA, uh, according to college football graphs. On the other sideline, you have NC State's offense that hasn't quite gotten to the start it wanted to. You know, this is an offense that has a quarterback that a lot of people think could play in the NFL and a lot of people think could be a potential early draft pick. So where is the offense? Where has that happened? come? So you're going up against a team that is not great with the pass, but it's going to be limited in the run game. Can your quarterback, the guy that everybody's talking about, can he lead you to the promised land? I like uh, – this is going to be difficult. You know, ESPN has the line at, at minus six and a half for Clemson. It's in South Carolina. Can NC State pull off the upset? I think it's going to come down to which offense is firing on all cylinders. I would lean towards NC State, but if I'm a betting man, Clemson's probably going to win. But let's, let's, let's take NC State and the points. Now, NFL slate – I'm really looking forward to the Jaguars versus the Eagles. Are both of these teams for real? I like week four. Um, most people look to week three for the separation of pretenders and contenders. You know, usually if you're 0-3, you're in panic mode. Um, but remember, Carolina started 3-0 and last year, and they had an abysmal year. So it, I like the quarter mark. So I like to break up the NFL season into quarters. I know we got these, the, the odd 17 game in now, but game four is really where you start separating the, the pretenders and the contenders. So I look to this game as, as what are we going to find out about these teams? Are the Eagles for real? Because I think if the Eagles go four and oh, it, it, how are they not the lead to one get home field advantage and two not just roll through the east? So I'm really looking forward to this. The game is going to be in in Philly, so it is a, it is a going to be a road game for the Jaguars. Both of them have top ten offenses and top ten defenses in terms of efficiency, so they're both looking in a mirror at each other. Hertz is an ascending QB talent. That has kind of been. One of those things that everybody's talked about is the quarterbacks in both the, uh, for both of these teams. One, Trevor Lawrence is starting to become the guy that we always thought he was going to be out of Clemson. You know, that generational talent. Look at how well he plays in college. Now he's in the NFL. It's amazing what having a coach uh, you know, having a coaching change and having more of an offensive minded coach, a coach that's into developing quarterbacks has Hertz on the other hand, has done nothing but prove people wrong since he got to start it with the Eagles. He is, can kill you with his legs, but he is accurate enough with the in the passing game. He they put some more talent around him. I liked what Lawrence did against the Chargers last week. Is this going to be one of those where he starts taking over? This is another. These are two teams in weak divisions that could, if they win this game, really set them up to gain that momentum going into the middle part of the year. So this is why I'm looking at that again. It's at it's at noon central time on CBS. Uh, Bills, we talk about these de facto playoff games. Bills versus the Ravens. This could be a look into the future as this could be an, a playoff matchup. The Bills are favored by three and a half. Everybody's talking about Lamar Jackson, what he's been able to do within these first three weeks. Uh, the Bills obviously have one of the best rosters in the NFL. You know, the Ravens are a bounce back from their shootout loss to the Dolphins uh, by beating the Patriots. Buffalo will be much better test. 
much stouter uh, defense. They've got an unbelievable defensive line, which has allowed them to play a lot of coverage. And if you can play a lot of coverage that, while you're stopping the run, that is a success for a modern defense. That's something that has been talked about pr pretty much in the past couple years is if you can stop the run with less numbers, now you can put more in the coverage. We are in a pass-first uh, era of football we, where everybody is pass first on or you hear it all the time early down passing leads to shorter chains which allows you to continue down the field uh, so to me I think this is going to be can the Ravens run the ball on this to and and to Lamar Jackson you know getting the getting the ball to his receivers uh will the Bills secondary continue to play I know they had a rash of injuries and we're still able to win uh so and, and look, at the end of the day, when you go back and you look at the Bills, what they were able to do to Miami, that is that with with all, all those rash of injuries, they, they've hit on some DBs, young DBs that they have. And I think that this is going to be a look into the future for who's vying at the end of the year to be the leader of the AFC. So I, I'm definitely looking into this one again. This is noon on CBS. The late game on Sunday, Chiefs versus the Buccaneers. Both teams are looking to bounce back from a week three loss. You have the Chiefs who inexplicably lose to the Colts. You've got the Buccaneers who struggled uh, to, to with any kind of offensive efficiency against the Packers. Now, the Packers do have a decent defense. Uh, they are they are well equipped on that. But you could really see Brady was struggling without some of his, his main guys. Now, we're still missing, you know, Gronk at tight end. You know that's his security blanket. He's still figuring out early in the year who's going to be that guy and when you have guys like Evans who's missing a game because of a fight in the Saints game you've got Godwin who is out with injury some of you you start looking at some of your big targets and it, they're not there you could see that their offense just was not clicking on all cylinders this is going to be a bounce back game it's in Tampa you've got all the emotion around with that hurricane that just passed through you know this is going to be one of those games where if the Chiefs go two and two now now you're starting to look at hey where are we going to catch these games up later later in the year and the Buccaneers set themselves up to being kind of the leader of the pack in the NFC so uh, kind of right where we would expect Brady to be so I'm, I'm looking forward to this game this is something uh, that I think it's going and, and of course it's all about the quarterback right this is Mahomes versus Brady that's what I'm looking forward to all right let's transition to four things we learned from last week so let's let's go back let's revisit last week uh, and let's go through this uh, you know I had talked about Trevor Lawrence is a cute quarterback that we thought he was you know what a difference a year makes when uh, under Urban Meyer to now Doug Peterson a you know a college coach uh, versus a a guy who has been a kind of a quarterback whisperer his entire career so I you know I think all the stories we heard and, and not to, to make a knock on a college coach, Urban Meyer, like, Oh, it, no, there's a lot of college coaches that could coach in the NFL if they wanted to, or if they had the opportunity, but you have a guy in Urban Meyer who tried to bring in um, his program. It just didn't work. All the stories coming out of it, the dysfunction. Um, and I think we all know that as human beings, if, if our work life is dysfunctional, our performance isn't going to be great. I mean, I think that that's human nature. And I think you you saw that last year uh, for, for the most part with that team. It just wasn't that great. Um, so now you steps in a new coach. He's an offensive-minded coach. Uh, now, you, now you get this. You know, an early, early career 
QB, especially a young guy that a lot, with a lot of talent. You can kill your career if you have the wrong coach. I think we've seen it over and over and over again. Lucky for Lawrence, he has Peterson for round two. The Jags are currently a top 10 offense. Uh, some of the, you know, there were some question marks about some of these guys that they brought in in the offseason, but they, solid, they, they made the line solid. Uh, these receivers have been getting open. And then they have one of the best running backs in the NFL if you don't know him go look up Robinson he is one of the best running backs in the NFL uh, and then of course inexplicably Urban Myers drafts a, a first round draft pick in ETN a former teammate of Lawrence uh, who is just not seeing the field uh, as much because well Robinson's really really good so uh, Trevor Lawrence is the QB we thought he was he's going to keep progressing obviously there's going to be headaches too but I think he's in a good spot and I'm looking forward to his growth um Tragic injury last night with Tua getting a concussion. I know there's going to be issues and comments said are, are, are multiple, you know, everybody's going to be talking about this, how the NFL handled his concussion protocol uh, in his game last week, headed into this game. It, you know, one of those deals where you're going down, you get slammed down uh, by, by a large defensive lineman. He gets a concussion, but I, you know, my thing, what we learned from last last week, after three games, you kind of have an idea. We all need to apologize to Tua. Football is a team game. QBs need weapons. There are very few, and I think that that's part of the problem, is that we, we put some of these guys on pedestals like Peyton Manning, uh, we put like Tom Brady, who have uh, even even Aaron Rodgers in a sense this year. You know, we put these guys on pedestals and they're like, look, you guys make it work. Right. Tom Brady never really had great receivers in the one year that he had Randy Moss. He had like he broke every record. So it's like you kind of have that even with Brady, you see that they're that, you know, it is laid out for you. You have to have surrounding casts that are good. Right. You it and, and if you could have elite surrounding cast, it just elevates you. Two is an NFL quarterback. He doesn't have a strong arm. He's too small. The Dolphins didn't even want him. These were all things that were said in the offseason. Everybody kind of made fun of some of this stuff that was tweeted out by the Dolphins about his throwing. He's underthrowing Tyree Kill. Well, I think most quarterbacks can underthrow Tyree Kill. The guy's a freak. He's super fast. Uh, kind of like Trevor Lawrence, coaching maximizes your skill set. When you have a coach that comes in and says, look, this is what I'm handed. I'm going to do the best I can with it. I'm going to maximize his talent. What is he good at? That's what we're going to do. That's when you see the growth. Um, and I think, I think for him, hopefully this concussion issue doesn't linger the entire year and he's able to get back on track because I do like the Dolphins. The Dolphins offense is fun to watch. They have a track team as a receiver core uh, and they have an accurate QB. All he has to do is get it to the fast guys. Okay. So far it's worked. Um, I know they lost to Cincinnati last night, but I do feel like that when he comes back, this is a team that, again, in a weak division in the East, could come in. And, and, and I say weak in the sense of they have an opportunity to really beat the Patriots and beat the Jets and be able to kind of vie for one of those wildcard teams. Obviously, it's the Bills world in the East. They're just living in it. Um, but with Tua healthy, they may be able to kind of push that up there a little bit. I would look for that success to continue. Hopefully Tua gets better, uh, but we should all see him as a legitimate NFL quarterback. Now let's move to, let's move to college football and let's talk about two programs that nobody wants to talk about, but they should be talking about. Kansas has a legitimate football team. They're four and zero. Yes. 
Kansas football is 4-0, and they're undefeated heading into their fifth game. All the success has come on the back of the offense. Now, their defense is not fantastic, but they do have a top 25 defense in regards to efficiency, according to BCF Toys. It's one of my favorite efficiency websites. Defensively, they're abysmal, but who cares? It's the Big 12, right? Everybody cares about offense. And when you're a team that's not very good, it's usually not on the back of your defense that you're winning. It's usually you're scoring a lot of points because you have you have a fun offense. They've got a really athletic quarterback, uh, and he does he does some good things. And again, Leopold is going to be talked about. Look for him, especially coming. I, I I really like him as a program builder. He did it at D3 level. He did it when he was at Buffalo. Now he's got been able to get Kansas I don't think people understand how bad Kansas football was off when he took that job I'm a Kansas City kid I grew up in Kansas City Missouri I'm from I'm from Liberty Missouri so I know all about the Kansas football program I've been to the Kansas I you know I've been to that campus multiple times I've seen that stadium when I was at Baylor I coached in that stadium it was dead uh, and they sold out their game from last week uh, so if you've ever played in Kansas at 11 o'clock and, and seen that there's only about 20,000 fans in there you would understand everybody there's kind of waiting for basketball season but this is a team then they've beaten legitimate teams they've beaten Houston yes They've beaten a three and one Duke whose only loss is to Kansas. And they've also beat West Virginia. So it's not, and I know everybody's rolling their eyes at, at Duke football, but they have beat power five teams. This is not a team that has played an FCS team and then has played a weak G5 team uh, to, you know, a couple weak G5 teams to get to this 4-0. This isn't kind of the, the manufacturing of a 4-0 team. They've beaten Houston, who was preseason ranked. They beat Duke, and they beat West Virginia. Uh, so the actual test starts this week. They play Iowa State. Will the Cinderella story continue? We'll have to see, uh, but, you know, obviously the Jayhawks are only two games away from being bowl eligible. Can they upset two Big 12 teams to get that and, and kind of shock the world and win six games? We'll find out, uh, but this week will be a big test with Iowa State. Let's transition to a, a brand new uh, FBS team in James Madison. It's a team that no one is talking about, but I, so I'm going to introduce you to James Madison. If you did not know, James Madison is now an FBS team. They are not an FCS power anymore. They are now fully FBS. They knocked off App State in Boone. Now, App State had just come off an emotional victory where they won in the last seconds. They got to go and they got to play James Madison, and James Madison knocked them off. Now, the Duke schedule is set up for them to be very, very good and have a lot of wins. They're, they haven't really played anybody other than App State so far, so that's why not everybody's talking about them. But keep an eye on James Madison as, they, as they're going out. They've got a legitimate shot at going 5-0 and before they begin to play their legitimate team. So they have an opportunity to win this weekend. If they can go unscathed and headed into Louisville, people are going to start talking about them. November 5th is that game against Louisville. The Dukes might have an opportunity to have a really special year this year headed into that game. Uh, so keep an eye on James Madison. They've got a really good defense and they've got a really good offense. Yes, it's a little bit manufactured in sense of their schedule. They haven't really played anybody other than App State. But start paying attention to this program. This is in Virginia. There, you know, this is a program that has won a lot of games at the, at the FCS level. And just like we've seen in some of these other teams that have transitioned to the FBS level, they're having early success. All right. 
Three predictions. Let's get this done. Alabama versus Arkansas is my number one. ESPN has the line at minus 17 favoring Bama, but there are issues with the Tides offense. Who is their dominant receiver? Now, let me – I know that they've had some injuries. People – people, some of their receivers haven't played. But when your best receiver is your running back, you're going to have issues. Outside of Texas, they haven't really been tested uh, offensively. Now, defensively, it's it, – it, this is Alabama. They're going to have dudes everywhere. It's Nick Saban. You know the defense is always going to be right. I like Arkansas because they've got um, – they've got an offense that can give you some issues and that has given saving defenses issues before they have an athletic quarterback who has the ability to run. He's a big, strong kid. Uh, and they, and they do have some guys on the outside that can get open. And, and when they, when they throw the ball, so Arkansas's defense is not a top unit. They haven't, they haven't proven that they can really hold it down for long, uh, but their offense does score, score enough points for them to be successful. I do think Alabama wins this out route. I just think that the defense is too good. Bryce Young is going to find a way to win. That being said, I still take Arkansas in the points. I think that this is going to be uh, a kind of a closer game than 17 points. I, I've got Alabama winning it 31-21. All right, I talked about the Jaguars in the previous segment. Let's go down to my prediction for that game. I think the Jaguars have a legitimate shot as an upset. Uh, I think they're one of the best run-stopping units in the NFL this season so far. Their defensive line is really, really good. It, it kind of compares it themselves to the Buffalo in ter- Buffalo D-line in terms of production. The Eagles' base is most out of a, a run-based offense that uses play-action, RPOs, and kind of some of these kind of manufactured, manufactured play-action passes. Uh, and, and let's be honest, you know, being a play-action offense is not a bad thing if you're efficient early in the down you don't want to get to some of these play action passes and early downs and then start looking and now i've got a lot of third and sevens third and tens third and fifteens you know things just aren't working out early on um the eagles are a run first offense they've got a running quarterback they've got something now they have put some receivers around him and they do have good receivers that's not you know don't sleep on philly's receivers um he is still hurts is still ascending. I do like him. Um, I don't think that it's going to be uh, this. The line is it's at minus six and a half for the Eagles. I think it'll be closer than that. I like the Eagles winning 28, 24, but the Jags are going to give them um, uh, they're, they're definitely going to give them uh, some problems. Rams, 49ers oh, a lot of talk has been made about jimmy g last year his first uh, last week his frustrations around the game with the broncos we have let's look at it in context remember n- n- none of these games are played in a vacuum right it's not like man where you just turn the console on hey let's play this game and you know if i feel good about it then you know i we keep playing if not i, I get a reset it doesn't work like that right it's real life the 49ers are a two and a half uh, favorite over the rams i don't buy that i think jimmy is still progressing um, a lot of talk has been made like i said about his his kind of reactions but remember he did not even get he wasn't even practicing with the team uh up until he signed his contract and kind of everybody in the organization along with jimmy just sat down and were like look 
nobody's going to be taking you. They don't know what kind of commodity you are with your injury. You're going to have to stick with us. Uh, so he essentially gets thrown in there and says, hey, go play one of the better defenses in the NFL and the Broncos. Uh, good luck. There was some frustration, you know, Shanahan and, and, and his relationship. We don't know. We don't know about it. Um, this is essentially week two for Jimmy uh, and it's week four for the Rams. I think the Rams offense will get off of the ground. There's been a big deal made of the Rams offense and some of the struggles that they've had early. I remember this is a slow burn team. This is a team that doesn't practice very much during the preseason. I see them getting back on track. It's week four. They should be back on track. This should be, this should be the team that we, we thought that they were. Um, another issue with San Francisco is the loss of Trent Williams. So one, you have a quarterback who's essentially wor working in week two of his program. He loses his best friend in Trent Williams. I think that they're going to struggle. Uh, the 49ers, again, they're going to start one and three. The Rams are going to be three and one. Um, I think it's a major blow for the 49ers to lose that. I think the pass rush is not great with the Rams but I do think um, I do think that they will be able to put some pressure on it and stop the run early uh, forcing some of these some of these where hey look we know you're passing it, Jimmy's gonna have to make some plays I just feel like the Rams are in a better set even though the game is in San Francisco I have the Rams winning 24 to 20 so they beat them in the points and they win the game outright so how did I do last week I was five and one last week I'm eight and four overall so let's recap what I had last week on uh, the Thursday countdown. Remember, I, I send out the Thursday countdown every Thursday morning to get you ready for the week ahead. I had the Vols beating Florida. I had Baylor winning in Ames, the Broncos beating the 49ers, and I said Clemson winning but took Wake on the points and the Dolphins beating the Bills. My only loss from last week was Arkansas lost to AM. I felt like Arkansas would win in, in Dallas against AM. I had them winning a close one, so five and one last week, so that's not terrible. A couple of things in, in the Thursday countdown that I want to go over. I always give you two articles from the archive. Looking back at some things this week, I've got the hug and the share rush concepts. Hug rushing and share rushing is a concept that's used at, at a lot of the higher level teams. College, NFL, you see it all the, all the time. A hug rush is essentially if I'm a linebacker and we're in man coverage, I'm going to run at the linebacker. I'm going to run at the running back within my gap. If he peels, I peel. If he stays in, I'm going to insert in the blitz. A lot of people call this a green dog. I, I don't like to call it a green dog uh, uh, just because I, I like that hug rush. We want to hug up on that back. I think it gives a better visual for the kids when you do that. Now, what's a share rush? A share rush is I'm going to hug rush my guy inside, and then I have a guy on the outside opposite me that if the running back goes opposite he's going to peel with them so we're sharing that rush uh, so that I don't have to necessarily go uh, go opposite a lot of these a lot of these teams these offenses once they figure that you have this hug that you're hugging the back they'll send them the other way or if you get behind motion uh, kind of that a flare or the a behind motion that, that quick motion early and he goes opposite wherever you're going to hug well now i'm activated in the blitz knowing that i've got a guy on the other side so and i've heard dave aranda at a clinic talk about anytime you can get share rushes 
you're winning because now the offense, you're basically optioning the offense. If he decides to stay in, I'm already going to go in there. If he goes my way, I peel, and then I'm I'm folding back in from the other way. If the running back goes the other way, now he's peeling, and now I can either get into coverage or I can go ahead and insert in the blitz. Um, the other article I shared was that in my Aaron Rodgers and pre-snap motion. That's a concept a couple years ago I started seeing pop up. Uh, and in fact, this article was written two years ago uh, about these pre-snap motions and how that actually kind of rises the EPA of the offense. Remember, pre-snap motion, and I, you've heard Saban talk about this uh, before and other defense coaches talk about this. Anytime you get pre-snap motion, that's eye candy for the defense. They have, they, you know, you're visually, I have to reshuffle, right? Especially if we're going from a two-by-two two set to three-by-one. Does that change our check? Does it change the blitz? Do I have to move the front? What are we doing? Uh, and you're seeing this more and more at the NFL level and the college level, these quick motions early trying to get you leverage, trying to get uh, figure out what kind of coverage you're in and these coverage IDs early and allows those. Uh, so the use of motion is a major trend within the net these past couple of years. It's something that's being talked about within offensive staff rooms. So it's definitely something that you want to check out. And again, I'll have the link to the Thursday countdown in the show notes. So make sure that make sure that you check that out. Finally, let's talk about uh, one of my things that I really enjoy, uh, kind of, it's like a hobby of mine is these mental biases that we have. I'm, I'm always looking for an edge on how I can change the way that I think, you know, and I think cognitive bias is something that we need to learn more and more about. I think if we discuss cognitive biases within school, as we're growing up, we kind of have an idea. I think that you're more intelligent with the way that you argue with people. I think, and remember, arguing doesn't mean, you know, shouting at the, but having an in intellectual conversation with another human being about something you may see differently. Um, so I, the one thing particularly that, I, that we're talking about this week in the Thursday countdown, and I'm talking to you about now on, on the Art of X show is the backfire effect. So this is a cognitive bias that makes people reject the facts when their most profound beliefs are challenged. So essentially you have this profound belief it is it, it you know hey these are this is a pillar belief of mine and that i've had and when somebody brings you information that kind of contradicts that instead of kind of you know you looking at it in with an open mind your brain automatically kind of hunkers down and you, you have an emotional response instead of an intellectual response. So it essentially it eliminates a, a reasoned response. So this go this is twofold. So we see this a lot in politics, um, but it can happen in any seg segment of life. We're human beings. We hate to be wrong. So understand that one, when you're talking to somebody, uh, for instance, you know, hey, I'm going to, I know you have always done it this way, right? We talk about this in coaching all the time. The worst thing that you can say is, well, this is the way we've always done it. Okay. I think everybody kind of says that, you know, put it on the wall. Uh, we're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. This is the way we've always done it. It's dangerous language. We don't say that in here. But, it, you know, at the end of the day, we anchor ourselves into the into these ideas and especially things that we learned about uh, when we were young, right? Especially young in coaching, growing up, things like that. So when you're having a conversation with somebody, right, and you're you're 
introducing something um, that is going to challenge a core belief of theirs, make sure that you understand you most likely you're going to have some sort of emotional response. Now it goes the other way is that when you are presented with something, you also need to be self-aware about it and just say, look, am I having an emotional response or an intellectual response? Am I looking at this emotionally because it counters a core belief of mine or am I looking at the information with, with reason and, and I can actually see clearly through that? The backfire effect is part of confirmation bias, which I've talked about before uh, through match quarters and just before we find things that we want to confirm our ideas. That is, look, we don't like to be wrong. I think everybody understands that. So the backfire effect is part of that emotional response over a logical one. So instead of looking for new information objectively, we try to find evidence that backs it up. And when we're presented with something and I don't have time, I don't have time to find evidence i'm going to get emotional about it and i'm just going to build build a wall so relying on emotion rather than logic that can get you into trouble especially how does you know this is a sports show right i talk about football all the time especially defensively um in an ever-changing world with technology with offenses with the rules uh and with uh, you know player safety all these things are changing the way that we look and that we that a lot of people look i'm i'm 36 um, you know, I, you know, I got to coach with my father last year, uh, who's in his sixties, you know, the way that we grew up is completely different uh, and our viewpoint of, of football and how it should be played is a little bit different, but we, we are still part of that generation of where it, it, generations where we are seeing a change in the game, not only for offensively, look, the spread is one, it's not going anywhere, but the rules have changed to be more offensive player safety is now at the forefront and not just like, Hey, this is what we do. Uh, I, I, why are we doing this? Because I told you, I think players now because of the access to information are asking why more. And so you have to explain the why. So there's a lot of this. I, I wanted to go over the backfire effect because I feel like this is one of those confirmation biases that a lot of people don't necessarily know what that they're doing. Why am I getting emotional? I always ask that all the time. You know, I'm an emotional guy. Anybody that knows me will tell you, um, you know, I've got a little bit of a temper. I'm sure uh, people would say that. And so one thing that I've really been working on with myself in the past couple of years has really been, why am I getting emotional? Is this emotional reaction? Uh, and why is it? Is it am, am I in my response? Am I worthy of an emotional reaction? Or am I looking at this irrationally? And I, I have completely thrown reason out. And that's why I'm mad. So the next time you're presented with evidence contrary to your original belief, whether it, it's about a coverage that you're running, or it's a, a teaching point that you're making, or it's it just some a, a political thing in your life. Um, am I getting emotional because of bias? Or am I thinking clearly about the facts? Am I having this emotional response because i know what the evidence is here is this and again remember uh, you know love each other be great to each other um and, you know I, it's one of the, the the founding things match quarters you know it, the you know hashtag art of x i think everybody kind of understands that but also that hashtag do better that's a big thing with me too that i've been really trying to do within the last five years in my life is trying to find ways to be just a better human being and then relaying that not only to you guys that follow match quarters, but to my players as well. Hopefully, too, if you talk to my, any of my players, that's something that uh, for them, they, you know, they say, you know, he made me a better human being. He taught me some life lessons as we were going on, and it's not just all about football. So that's why I try and end these 
every week with a bias just to make you think you can think that it's crazy or you can, you, you, uh, you know, hopefully you take away something from that. So uh, thank you for joining me on another episode of the Art of X show. Make sure again, I'm going to try and do these every week uh, with, with the with, uh, cor- uh, corresponding with the Thursday countdown, which is released every Thursday. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Substack. There are, uh, I'm going to have links on in the show notes. You can listen to this on any podcast format out there, all the major major ones those will be released to the podcast and then as always follow the hashtag art of x for the latest in match quarters follow me on twitter at the underscore coach underscore a thank you